my heart is like full. And uh, yeah, thank you for, basically that's the sermon in a nutshell. Your love never fails and it never gives up and it never runs out on me. So thank you for that and you guys can go and we'll see you next week. But seriously, that was beautiful. And uh, I'm going to try to say a similar thing, but in different words, okay? So if you get lost in some of this, just boom, there it is. God's love never fails. It never gives up. Even when we don't see it, right? Or maybe we forget. Um, or, or our family or friends or like people around us don't know it. It was awesome. This week I was reading a book with my, one of my kids it was a, it's a book about the three trees. Does anybody know this book, The Three Trees? These three trees had great dreams. And um, one wanted to be uh, like a, a great treasure chest. Or no, a, um, it wanted to be a chair that held kings. And it turned out it was a manger, right? So um, these trees like had this dream, but they're repurposed. Anyhow, we're reading this um, story about these three trees. And one of the trees becomes this cross. And... Uh, in the book it says, and um, Jesus died um, for all who believe. And my eight-year-old, like this little theological explosion in her mind, she goes, that's not true. And I go, what do you mean that's not true? She goes, no, he died for all. He loves everyone. Even the ones who don't, don't know him, he loves them too. She crossed it out with her finger and was like, that's not true. He died for everyone. His love is for everyone. I was like, look at you, girl. A theologian. So um, anyhow, we're in the middle of this series called A Better Way. Uh, We believe that Jesus Christ offers a way to live in the world um, that's better than anything else. And it's better than anything um, because it's the truth. And the truth we know is um, liberating, it's freeing. Uh, The truth is how you and I were meant to live in harmony, in relationship with it. And so um, we're taking all our teaching from John 1, this section called John's Prologue. How many of you are memorizing or have memorized this passage of the Bible before? Is anybody here memorizing it? I think Scott challenged us three weeks ago. And so I want to encourage and keep that out there. Um, If you haven't yet memorized this, um, put it to memory. It's a powerful passage of uh, scripture that that draws attention to who Jesus is. Um, And so uh, this week, I got a note on my um, keyboard, and I don't know who snuck in and put it in there. Um, I was a little worried at first. Like, how did people get in? We have, like, ninjas in this community. Because my door was locked. But I think they probably got my key from Rachel, who then opened the door. And the note said, um, here's the short of it. Uh, I feel like my life doesn't have a purpose right now. I feel lost. And I'm not sure that things um, are worth, basically, I'm not sure that things are worth continuing. I'm not sure, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but I don't feel like I have a purpose, I feel lost, and I'm not sure that it's worth living anymore, essentially was the the essence of the note. Um, And I realize that there are many of us who who have this sentiment, this kind of like hopelessness, maybe not in that deep or poignant of a way, but we experience it in different ways. We, We can experience kind of like an emptiness, 
in life. We experience maybe like a hopelessness from time to time, right? Maybe this happens in, in different ways for you, but you get to a place sometimes where you're like, what's it all for? You know, what's the, what's the point? It's all just, you know, whatever. And, and maybe it's because I worked with a lot of teenagers, and as teenagers, we, we experience this a lot. Like, the world seems so big, and there's so many options, and they can be crippling and paralyzing. And so a lot of times we'll just kind of like turn away from them and we can escape or we can numb or we find ways of, of just like removing ourselves from the world and the people around us. Anybody ever been there? All right. And so this morning, I think this, this message is for you. Um, in a conversation with somebody this week, the sense of emptiness, that gnawing sense, maybe for you it's like, we got done with Christmas and there's all this like good stuff and then you get to January and you're like, January. And January just creates in you that sense of like, ugh, angstiness. Um, so I hope this word um, is spoken for, for you this morning if you find yourself in that place or have found yourself in that place before. Uh, you're not alone. Fourth century, Greek philosopher Plato, not to be confused with the um, child's toy that is, uh, looks delicious, but is actually really salty, and I don't recommend eating it. No, not that Plato, but Plato. Um, he said this about the universe and about what he observed. Um, he said, hey, you know, everything's kind of weird, and it doesn't seem like it's making sense, but maybe someday there will come forth from God a word, a logos, who will reveal all mysteries and make everything plain, give meaning to life. There's this longing 2,500 years ago for just meaning in life. Just maybe there's somehow some order that that God will reveal. A hundred years before Plato was this other Greek philosopher named Heraclitus, which is a great name. And Heraclitus said that life is like constantly ebbing and flowing. He said, it's like a river that you can never put your foot in the same place twice because things have changed and moved on. But Heraclitus said, there's something that is giving it order. There's something behind it, some word. They called it the logos. That's the same word that John uses in John 1, okay? So we just nerded out a little bit on Greek philosophy Now I want to nerd out a little bit on Hebrew poetry. The opening words of the Bible um, is the creation story. And in Genesis 1, there's a phrase that you see over and over and over. And it's this, and God said, things like, let there be light. And then we read the words, and it was so. And God said, And it was so. You can see it in verse 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, over and over and over. And God said, and it was so. And the idea within uh, Jewish thought was that because God was hidden and unseen, his word was powerful. His word is, is how they knew him. I'm not talking about his word, the Bible. I'm talking about God's voice. And so this idea of his voice and his word took on this kind of like poetic form. It was almost like personified. And so the word of the Lord was how people knew who God was because he was hidden. 
How many of you are familiar with the artist Banksy? Anybody know Banksy? While you're sitting there, Google images and Google Banksy work. It's really cool. He does some great stuff. One of the things that he did um, was on the, uh, the wall in between Palestine and Israel, Banksy um, graffitied a picture of um, two little kids like on the bottom of the wall and then above them is a hole in the wall and through it was like a paradise. And I believe his point was like on the other side of this wall for Palestinians was paradise. But they were divided by this wall. The cool thing about Banksy is that nobody knows who he is. Nobody has any idea who Banksy is. He goes around the world and like artwork just pops up. Now don't try to like, you know, duplicate him and start graffitiing down on the river house or something. We'll catch you. Okay, we will catch you. Um, But nobody knows who Banksy is and he'll write on bridges. He's done stuff in Paris. Um, He was at Disneyland. He did something a while back. And uh, the, the cool thing is nobody knows like who the guy is. He's like an incognito artist or something, right? And so um, Banksy has, has even won a film award. There's a movie called Exit Through the Gift Shop. You should check it out. It was on Netflix like a few years ago. Um, but nobody knows who he is. And in that same way that Banksy, we would say, is real, he has a Twitter account that we've never seen him, that we've never touched him. We've seen his art. We've seen his artwork. And we go, the dude is real. And the stuff he does is amazing. It's provocative. In the same way, the Hebrew poets spoke about the word. The word was what revealed the fact that there was a creator. All right? So now, John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. You notice how John says the same thing two times? He parallels it, right? Just so you get the point. He was with God in the beginning. Verse three, through him, all things were made. I get the chills saying that. I literally get the chills thinking about through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That's our focus this morning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, John is not the only person to make this claim about the word, about Jesus. Notice in Colossians 1, if you have your Bible, turn to Colossians 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And in Colossians 1, verse 15, it says this about the word, the logos, the Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, he's eternal, he's before them, and in him all All things hold together. Okay? You got it? You got a picture of who they're talking about? I, uh, this week, realized that I so often, when I talk about Jesus, 
I talk about Jesus of Nazareth. I want to talk to you briefly about the phrase Jesus Christ. When we say Jesus Christ, we are affirming the historical character, Jesus of Nazareth. As a Christian community, we affirm two realities. One, there was a man incarnate with flesh on, Jesus of Nazareth. But we also, as Trinitarians, affirm that Jesus embodied Christ, who was not created by God. He has always been. And so in this brief time in history, the Christ, the one through whom all things came into existence, stepped into the story here, took on flesh and blood. The cosmic Christ became human. Does that blow your mind? That blows my mind a little bit, okay? I don't know um, for you how old, you know, you think the, the earth is, whether you're, you know, hey, it's 1,000 or 5,000 or 6,000 or you're, it's 14.6 billion. I'm going to agree with the science community and say it's 14.6 billion years old. Um, John's affirmation is that there at the beginning was the Christ bringing things into order. Whether you think the earth is 4.5 billion years old or just a couple thousand, there was the Christ bringing it into existence. There he was bringing things into being. Here's why this is a good word for you and me. John says he created all things. Colossians says in him all things hold together. And later he says, it's because of this that he loves. He loves because, C.S. Lewis said, he created it. He loves the world. He loves the cosmos. He loves you because you, you are a creation of his. You have been knit together, the writer of the psalmist says, in your mother's womb, put together. By the way, we celebrate Patty. Where is she at today? Patty, there you are. Patty's 54. Give it up for Patty. Happy birthday. You'll see Patty around town. Big Bird does a nice job of caring for her. So way to go, Big Bird. Um, But we celebrate life because life is a gift from the creator. Now, uh, here's the turn that this week um, my study of of this kind of took. And I'm not trying to like shock and awe you, okay? Okay. I'm not trying to get you to go like, man, what's, what's Nick doing here? Why is he? This expanded my heart. It opened me up to, um, to like love bigger and love broader than I have before. Because as I was exploring this idea of the cosmic Christ, the Christ through whom all things came into being, what this author said is that everything that everything material Everything created reveals God. After the service, somebody asked me, um, hey, why does God send people to hell if they've never um, been able to witness uh, him before? And I said, first of all, God doesn't send people to hell. But second of all, the Bible says that everyone has been exposed to God's handiwork. Everyone has been exposed to his created order. 
it should give us pause and make us go, wait a second, what's behind this? And so um, this guy, Francis of Assisi, how many of you have heard of St. Francis? Not the Pope, but the guy that the Pope is in the order of, right? He's a Franciscan, I think. Um, so he wrote this prayer. It's called the Canticle. Now, stay with me, okay? Don't be like Nick's off the deep end here. It pushed me, and I, maybe it will push you a little bit. The, the Canticle of Brother Sun and Sister Moon. Brother Sun and Sister Moon. Here's his prayer, his song. Most high, all-powerful, all-good Lord. All praise is yours, all glory, all honor, and all blessings. To you alone, most high, do they belong, and no mortal lips are worthy to pronounce your name. Praised be you, my Lord, with all your creatures, here we go, especially brother son, who is the day through whom you give us light, and he is beautiful and radiant with great splendor. Of you, most high, he bears the likeness. (laughs) Praised be you, my Lord. Here we go. Through sister moon and the stars. In the heavens you have made them bright, precious, and fair. Last little section. Then you can look up this prayer on your own. Praised be you, my Lord. Through brothers, wind and air. And fair and stormy, all weather's moods, by which you cherish all that you have made. Praised be you, my Lord, through sister water, so useful, humble, precious, and pure. He goes on and on and on about the trees, about the animals, about the flowers, about the field. Everything that Francis encounters in it, he sees the Christ the God who from the beginning of all things existed and spoke things into existence. He would go as far to say to be at one with Christ is to be at one with all things. The word universe, somebody remind me after the first service, universe means one song. Now here's the interesting thing. Mark said we're going to talk science. So here's your little science moment, all right? We talked about this in youth ministry last year. I think all the kids, a lot of people looked at me like, you've, you're, you've lost it. The stuff, the physical, tangible, material stuff that you and I are made of, what is it? It's matter, right? Carbon, I don't know what else, um, but for, certainly carbon. Uh, and that stuff has existed for how long? Well, the, like one of the first things I remember about physical science is that matter is neither created nor is it destroyed. You remember that from school? Any science teachers in the house can confirm that fact? Yeah, Mr. Borson, he confirms it, all right? If you have problems, talk to him. He's teaching this. All right, matter is neither created nor destroyed, which means this. The stuff you are made of has been around since the creation of all things. You're old. You're very old. Patty, you're not 54 or whatever. You're much older than that. You've been around, sister, for a long time. You're made of stuff that has been around for a very, very long time. Now, why does that matter? Well, so is the tree outside your window. So is the neighbor sitting in your pew. 
created by the Christ in love, for love, and good things. The writer of Ephesians 2.10 says, you were created for good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do, to be a part of, to participate in. So what? All week long I've been asking myself this question, so what? So what? So what? Well, this is like, this is the energy that's driving us every day. Created in love by a God who is love, for love in the world. Okay, that's kind of like 50,000 feet. Let me bring it home. Nuts and bolts. Right? Linchpins. Screwdrivers. Uh, Jesus says, literally, whatever you have done to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, the creations of mine, whatever you have done to the least of them, you did it to me. Whatever, however you treat, however you speak to, however you react to, your enemy, the least of these, you have done it to me. As just an exercise in a game this week, I try to call things that annoy me, people who frustrate me, on television or in a debate. I tried to call them brother or sister. I tried to speak to them in my head, in my heart, as a brother, a sister, a co-creation of the God of the universe, one called by him into his loving family, somebody who have made no idea that that's the invitation yet, somebody who may have no idea that that's what God's inviting them into yet. We spoke brother and sister to them. That's kind of trippy, right? It's kind of out there, and yet it's the exact thing that Jesus, it's the exact thing he says. It's what the prophets talk about over and over and over. They say, away from me with your noisy show. Isaiah says, I'm not interested, God says, in all the singing. Like, it's great, but I'm not, you know, that's not what I'm after. That you would notice the least of these. That you would notice the least of these. James says it. This is true religion. To look after the widow, the orphan, in their distress. To keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Do you know what the pollution is? The pollution says live for yourself. The pollution says pursue your own purpose. Pursue your own, you know, universe. Pursue your own world. And God says, no, come live in mine. The one I created in love. Through him, all things were made. Do you believe that? Through him, nothing was made that has been made. I cannot wait to share with you next week the next verse. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. Creations. Let's gather and pray together, shall we? God, thank you for your love. That, um, that amazing force. The thing to which we're called because it's the truth. God, thank you for your hope, the hope that comes um, in the form of Jesus. We see in him who you are and that you are good that we too have been created for good things, good works that you've prepared for us to do. God, we celebrate uh, just your goodness, your love this morning. 
we confess that we don't always get it. We don't always see it. As a matter of fact, I confess I miss it a lot. And I, I, I want your help. Open my eyes, the eyes of my heart, to understand you more fully. To grasp and, and somehow get my head around how high and wide and deep is the love that we see in the Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.